This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Saul Isaacson Hurst is a personal football coach from across the pond. And I say personal football coach as a little bit of a pun because he is the founder and creator of the website and app called My Personal Football Coach, where he gives you access to the individual training exercises that he has used at some of the biggest and best academies in his neck of the woods, which we will talk a little bit about in this episode. We also talk a little bit about his experiences in studying the game, where his travels and his studies have taken him, and we talk about his ideas for developing strong, sound, technical youth players. And we talk mostly about building that foundation in the players as well. So you uh, you can find ways to link up with Saul by visiting the write-up of this podcast, which is available on 343coaching.com. I highly recommend giving him a follow. He is a good resource, and he actually uh, he shares a lot of good information. So he retweets quality pieces of work from uh, from all over the world. And actually, just before I interview him, you're going to hear me say it in the very first part of the interview, but just before I interviewed him, I was scrolling through his, his Twitter timeline, just looking at all the amazing stuff that he does share. And it's quite remarkable. And uh, I think that you would get a kick out of, out of getting to know Saul if you don't already know him. Before we get into this episode, I want to remind you that this episode and all of the episodes of the 343 podcast are brought to you by 343coaching.com. And that is where we offer programs for coaches to help them reduce their trial and error time and just get right to the work that matters. No BS. It's just the stuff that you need to know how to do it and how to bring an actual style of play to life. Uh, you've heard me on this podcast before. Well, if you've listened to, listened to this podcast before, you've heard me talk about the difference between some of the other coaching education that's available out in the world and what we offer. And so we offer a proven soccer methodology. We're not teaching you how to teach. We're teaching you how to teach soccer and that specifically. So if you are looking for ways to bring a possession identity to your team, this is your resource. Actually, this is the only resource, the best available resource that we've been able to find. Um, So yeah, if you want more information about that, and if you want to learn how to help support and fund this podcast, you can visit 343coaching.com. That's the numbers 343, the word coaching, all spelled out, .com. All right. Uh, let's get into this episode with Saul Isaacson Hurst. Hope you enjoy. How's it going? Good, good, good. Are you uh, are you recording as well? Is that what you're doing? No, 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 no I'm not recording. No. Uh, okay, because I know you have your own podcast, so I was like, oh, maybe he's gonna double dip and, and record this for himself too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that one to you, mate. Yeah, no, that would that would be 100 fine though. Um, all right, well let's uh, let's get into it, man. I I think I asked you for about 30 minutes of your time, so I want to make sure I'm I'm uh, I'm using it the best that I can. Cool. Well, I'm I'm open, mate. There's no rush, so 
take time. All right, cool. Um, well, let's uh, let's start with this. Give me give me your your elevator pitch. Give me like the the one or two minute uh, introduction about uh, yourself and everything that you do. So um, my background is I was a I was a skills coach working in Premier League academy football at uh, Tottenham Hotspur and Chelsea uh, academy in their academies, um, mainly with the younger players, and um, also I've been an individual coach. Uh, one-to-one coach for 15 years and now I work uh, mainly with uh, professional footballers and aspiring pros individually to support them uh, in their game and then uh, I've also developed an app which is called My Personal Football Coach which is like an online technical training program for players uh, used by individuals, uh, clubs, uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers use it in their academy for their foundation phase, uh, clubs all around the world use it so really like an online ball mastery program to support clubs and individuals to improve their technical game. Boom. That was like one minute. That was perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I usually save this question for the very end of the episode, but I want to, I'm going to move this up to the very beginning of the episode and see where that kind of takes us through the rest of the conversation. But the question is, what do people need to know? And I guess you can kind of uh, tackle that from, your perspective of being an individual or a, a technical trainer or co- technical coach. So what do people need to know? Uh, so I'm a big uh, proponent of um, ball mastery and 1v1 basically as a, as a key part of any club's methodology and also as individual training as well. I think it's such a powerful tool. Um, it's used like clubs like, I know you, you know, you've you talked to Romeo recently, Dynamo Zagreb is a key part of their methodology and their philosophy. Ajax is a key part of their philosophy, Sporting Lisbon. So uh, at Tottenham Hotspur, we used it a lot as well. So there's, you know, it's a really powerful tool. People talk about evidence-based coaching. You have to look at the top development centers, uh, talent development centers in world football, and they're using this these uh, ball mastering one v one along a lot amongst other things like small sided games and and other things as well. But it's a it's a common theme for the best academies in the in the world, and I've seen it firsthand. I've been through a player development cycle. You know, and some of those guys who won the World Cup recently with England stopped training them when they were young. So uh, it, I just that's what I'm really passionate about. I really try and push it, especially in this country where we've had um, you know history of maybe not producing players technically as good as uh, our continental rivals or even the South Americans. And uh, so we we found a way which we can do it. So I'm always going to be uh, banging that drum drum as loud as possible. So this is this is interesting to me so you mentioned the the guys from England that won the the youth world cup and and you mentioned you know that that cycle being a little bit more technical than maybe previous uh previous cycles or or you know previous generations that um didn't achieve to England standards i think England has high standards as, as well and and that shouldn't be um that shouldn't be forgotten about but when when did that shift begin in that younger group that just won that that U twenty World Cup? Like did, well, that, didn't, know, that didn't that didn't happen yeah. at, at age uh, or was it U seventeen World Cup? Sorry. Yeah, so seventeen's won it. Seventeen. The ninth, the twenties uh, won it as well. But I mean, um, yeah, for me it's interesting because you know we talk about having high standards, but at the highest level, you know, uh, consistently we've fallen short in t- uh, you know in the World Cups uh, consistently. And we look at our players individually, and you know, we and we've always, you know, England's always been famous for having lots of uh, courage and playing with lots of pace and adrenaline and speed and tempo and passion and stuff like this, is, which is great. 
but you know, you know, at the end of the day, football's all about really technical quality. And 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 for whatever reason, it, with the culture is very direct, and how we play, and how the how the federation encourages us to play. So players weren't really encouraged to stay on the ball, and so we so we had a generation of really t- technically inadequate players. So um, I was fortunate enough to be at a club at Spurs at the time where they really changed the way they they would they say unique that no one else was doing in the whole country. Still, and so no one else was really doing it, and adopted more of a you know, a, a, an Ajax or, you know, Zagreb style coach of philosophy, which is very much based on individual ball mastery and 1v1. And the results we had were phenomenal in terms of the technical players and people still talk about it, those players coming out of there. So that was very much a big part of it. Also, another part of it was the uh, the Premier League changing uh, the classification system. So they brought in the ECPP, so more clubs, they professionalised training at all levels. So players got a lot more quality time, quality contact time in their clubs and uh, we saw you know a, a general improvement in the quality of players but I still think there's you know always room to improve and and develop you'd look at you know for instance like you know Croatia in the World Cup a population of was it four or five million or something you know and the players they still produce with quality and then you, you know you compare it to us or you compare it to a country like Sweden who are t- technically miles away who actually Interestingly enough, have much more of an English type uh, coaching philosophy. So I, I travel around the world, look at academies, look at hotbeds, and see you know how we can improve, how I can improve, you know how we can at the end of the day how we can get better, the, the players better at, at the game. That's the most important thing. When you were when you first started working at Spurs and, and you said that you guys were doing something different than the rest of the country, at what age were those programs starting? Like you you weren't starting that obviously and trying to make changes with players that were 17, 18, 19 years old, or I'm imagining that you didn't. Well, you, I mean, you, you still endeavour, but it's very difficult at, by then. But, I mean, you still have technical programme. But, I mean, so, for instance, those World Cup winners, uh, Naya, who's there, who, who, who's is in the plane of fire, he was in as a seven-year-old. Tash came in. Tashana Kabuth came in as an eight-year-old. I signed him as when I was under nine's, under nine's coach. So, very much, they were, they were part of that programme. That's quite interesting, that, that programme. We talk about being unique. I mean... People used to scoff at us and laugh at us because, you know, we, we did things differently. We, we, we really had the under nines, like a playground type atmosphere where, you know, we didn't really work on possession at all. We just worked on individual skills, individual flamboyance. We played, tried to play small 60-sixes as our home games and we do very well because our players are so dominant 1v1. Then we play away 8v8 and then we get tanked really badly because we didn't have that. But then the idea is that when we got to 11, then we really did focus on possession. It was a lot easier to then coach those that, that possession style, that one-touch style, because they were technically so excellent by that time. So it's a very interesting time, very unique. And you know, that was why, you know, when I went into do a lot of my um, lot of my, my coach education, I was shocked that, you know, if the Federation wasn't embracing this sort of thing because, you know, uh, the results we were getting at that club and, you know, the amazing advances we'd made. But, you know, that's uh, there's nothing we could do about that. Tell me a little bit about, the program that you mentioned that the I think you said the the Premier League instituted or the changes that the Premier League instituted, which is different than the Federation, right? So like yeah, so we have a we have an interesting um, um, interesting division of power here in the country. Whereas when the Premier League came in, they took out, they got a lot of power. So we have the Premier League and the FA, where the academy systems actually the the academies of all the clubs actually run by the Premier League. So the Premier League, um, after 
you know, another World Cup, disappointing World Cup. Um, I can't remember which one now, but I mean, so we're tracking back. <laughs> um, there's so many you get, you know, you get confused, but they brought in a bit like Germany did, you know, the famous one, the Germans came in and changed their system, made it much more professionalized, categorized. So you get, you know, you get audited every three years. And that really made a big improvement. I remember being that time, you know, in terms of the changes that were made, you know, the expectations of what, what you were doing and in terms of planning, preparation and things like that. It made a dramatic improvement. Some people say for the better, some people say for the worse, but the reality is it actually you got players more contact time. It, it helped, made coaches more accountable, which was good. And, um, you know, so essentially, and then you have obviously the FA, which uh, doesn't have any power over that, but then they also, they'll run the... Um, They'll run the uh, the courses and, and the coach education programs, which are generally very good. Now, what about all the the academies and, and clubs that aren't in the Premier League? So the, that's only home to twenty to twenty teams per season. So are they only working or focused on twenty teams, or is it well? Is it no, you have picture? you have more. So like you have um, Cat One clubs, Cat Two, Cat Three. So some of those Cat Twos and Threes are are in low, much lower. Uh, divisions, but then they're still um, they're still managed by the Premier League. So uh, that depends where you where you fall within that. So it's all um, Premier still has has that has the majority of power there, and you still have obviously the Cat One clubs. You have you know you have some second division teams like Reading, for instance. They're a very successful Cat One club. They're still you know one of the cat category one clubs in the country. And how many how many teams would you say? you know, under under that umbrella of the, the Premier League that, and the changes that got implemented? Uh, well, all clubs, if you had an academy, had to be within that categorization system, basically. So if you run an academy, you have to be either Cat 1, Cat 2, or Cat 3, or you can, you know, like teams like uh, Brentford do or Huddersfield have done recently where they've they've just um, quit the academy between 9 to 16s and just focused on having an older age group uh, 17 sort of plus under 18 is like a second no, reserve team basically where they feel that it's much more um, effective for them that they can actually run their own their own games programs and and less likely for maybe clubs to come in and steal their players and that's so it's so different than here and that's why it's so interesting to me and hearing hearing that there was pushback and then some people it really enjoyed or are embracing the change that sounds familiar to, to some of the problems we have here in the United States, but it's just it's it's kind of uh, in a way comforting knowing that other nations are going through some of that you know bullshit too. I don't know what other way to put it. Yeah, I mean that's the problem. Is like anything, you know, when you try and change the system, uh, there's 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 resistance to it, and you know the problem is people still you know harp on about you know the good old days this and that, and they say, well, hang on, you know, we've won one World Cup in you know in, in all those years into one you know, one final, it's just not good enough. You know, in terms of we're a football crazy country with a big population, you know, we've got to look at ourselves and say, you know, why are we not producing more players, more Ballon d'Or winners? Why are we not producing, you know, more, you know, Champions League winners mainly? Or, you know, well, more majority wise, our World Cup team, you know, been so poor. So, you know, there is there is changes. A big change as well is obviously the way the, 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 uh, the Federation, the FA approached the older age groups in terms of their preparation for tournaments. And they really took that to the next level. That's really, as well, has been a big, big, uh, big, big um, enhancement of our performance because they just, you know, those those uh, marginal gains are so important. They really approached every tournament as serious as they could. So, ten years ago, ten fifteen years ago, when the shift 
in mentality started to happen when you were working with the, I think you said the nines at, uh, at Spurs. Yeah. Who, who were some of the people that, that you were learning from at that time? Like who were, who were some of the people that were influencing what you wanted to do or what you ultimately ended up doing with, with that club? So my main mentor at the time there was Chris Ramsey. He, he, he was the assistant academy manager. He's, he's now, uh, he's a QPR now. He, for me, he's, he was, he was literally, uh, He's one of the best, well, probably the best player development uh, player developer in the country. Really, you know, um, really strong beliefs. Really, we talk, you know, we talk about Maverick, someone who really did buck the trends, and he didn't care about, you know, uh, convention, and really led the way for us to do things differently there, and not worry about, you know, us getting beat six, seven nil on the weekend. It didn't matter. He knew it was about the long term development of the players, and a lot of people couldn't see that. A lot of people can't get their heads around that. But he really did. He was really inspiration, and uh, uh, Danny Buck as well, who was who was another lead coach there. So these guys really supported me. I, I definitely went in there with my technical philosophy, but they really they really honed it and, and taught me how to work with elite players and and to develop players in the long term. Yeah, and so this is something that I think more people in the United States too are becoming um, more accustomed to hearing, and more more and more it's coming from one one source which is Tom Beyer and Tom is frequently misunderstood I, I would say and he has a very similar philosophy to I think what what you're trying to say is get yeah. the kids to a very you know competent technical level before they enter the 11 aside or the actual team game and when the, then when they are there the coach is going to be able to to use their skill sets however the coach needs but if they don't have that base set of technical skills you're you're screwed then then you're trying to teach these technical skills during you know team training sessions which is not the appropriate place to be doing that so well, i mean that, look, 100% i mean i know tom very well i'm a big fan of his work you know most of his stuff takes he's really focused on the young age which i think is great um, being, but if you look, for instance, you know, great example is the England semi-final. They would play Croatia. You know, we had three what we, you know, because people talk as our top midfielders, and you know, then no, none of them could get close to the quality of the Croatian midfielders in terms of just they weren't comfortable on the ball under pressure. So that's a big thing. I think there's a big misunderstanding about what technique really looks like at the top level. And you know, people, you know, so we, the way the nature of football in, in this country, especially, is about moving the ball and getting the ball forward really quickly. Maybe not as route one as it used to be, but still getting forward quickly. Where you know we don't encourage our players to stay on the ball under pressure. So yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of that as well as is developing those. Tech. I mean, it's always linked with small sided games. So we're not saying. You know, it's, I think you know, obviously Tom talks a lot about the you know the one to, to five age bracket, which is which is really important. And now we're talking about when those young players six, seven, eight comes into those team trainings is about working individually on the ball. Uh, but also always linked with small-sided games. And that's, I think, where we've gone wrong as well as a lot of under 9s, 10s, 11s, not 11s so much, 9s and 10s playing bigger formatted games at an early age where I think it should be a little bit more playground-like, you know, 1v1s, 2v2, 3v3, 4v4s, where you really get those skillful-type individual outcomes, you know, and, and encourage that. And then I think, yeah, I just think we're in a bit of a rush to formulize them especially at a young age let them just express themselves get on the ball learn those technical skills like you said because you will see the benefit down the line and you know what we've noticed that is that you notice a lot of english players for example who are just who are fighting with the ball so much that you know they can't get their head up and play those passes or they don't want on it or they can't deal with it under pressure and solve those problems themselves because they don't have the technical toolbox to do it 
I'm really curious what the conversation is like in, in England, especially right now. We're recording this in August 2018 for people that pick this up later on down the road. Um, coming off the back of a of a very successful World Cup for for England semifinals, you know, ma- massive success for for the country. I know that you guys were all, um, you know, very excited at the opportunity to maybe make it to the final. I'm sorry that that you didn't quite get there because of my boys. But um, yeah. uh, what's the conversation like right now? I feel like this is, is this is a turning point for or could potentially be a turning point for the country. So what I think, are I th- yeah, I, th- I think it works on a couple of levels. Firstly, you know, there's a, everyone has a big admiration for Gareth Southgate. I mean, for me, you know, he's brought some self-respect or some res- just general respect back to the English game, you know, in terms of, you know, how we proceed as, as, a, as a coach myself. I think that's really important. Uh, they did really well. But, I mean, if, you know, if you're involved in coaching, you still see, you know, the limitations there. And, and there's still, like, like I said earlier about, you know, the, the distance we've still got to go in terms of to catch up with, you know, your boys, the Croatians, you know, teams like that who are just so much technically better than us, you know, on the ball. So there's still a long way to go. You know, we've got a good crop of youngsters, you know, good generation young players coming through. But I mean, you know, because we've got one group of youngsters doesn't mean we've got to stop. Now, there's a big debate here, you know, constant debate here. And I'm always fighting people on social media. And, you know, I've been battling to try and get, you know, ball mastery and 1v1 included you know, in, in, in our coach education programs, and it still isn't really properly extensively, even people say it, is, it isn't, you know, being on those courses. Now, it should really be a mainstay of, uh, of, of, of you know, what we're, trying, what we're trying to get our young our coaches to do with our young players. So, you know, it's, uh, it can be very frustrating at times, but, I mean, you just got to keep on fighting the fight, you know. And, you know, look at that, you know, list of, like, Romeo and Romeo's excellent curriculum that he just released, and it's refreshing to see that because that's that sort of technical detail is missing a lot from what we give our, our, our coaches here as a as a tool to support them. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny. I when I interviewed Romeo, I I kind of mentioned to him that the people that have no history or or no knowledge of the history of what he's been working on in, in Croatia for the last you know 10 15 years they're going to find this document and they're going to start working with this curriculum and they're going to expect results in 4 weeks or 8 weeks or 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 12 weeks and they might not see the improvements that they want to see in that time span but they they need to really understand that this is a long game like that you start this you know when the kids are 7 8 9 years old and the payoff is, you know, a U20 World Cup or a, a, a men's or women's uh, senior team World Cup. And that could be 15 years down the road. But who knows, right? And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of refreshing to hear you talking about, you know, having to do that battle on a daily basis or a weekly or monthly basis because it's a worthwhile fight. And I don't see very many people going the other direction. There, there's, there's only going to be more people that join your side than jump from well, your side I to mean, the other side. It's, it's difficult because there's, there's been a lot of, um, you know, vocal voices, people who have worked for the federation who've been actually arguing the opposite, saying, you know, everything should be done in a game. You know, make sure there's no, don't teach anyone skills or that sort of things because you know, there's no point. It doesn't transfer. And, you know, you know, and that's the most frustrating thing because these people have a big audience. They're gatekeepers and they've had a big influence and actually on how what's been delivered in the for the for the for the coaches for the director that the young players so you know that, that's the frustrating thing you know you're still battling 
uh, these perceived notions that even though you know you, we, you know we keep talking about these examples and real you know we talk about well you know clubs in England they actually do this way and then clubs around the world and that's my argument say why aren't we you know still listen to these guys with no experience let's you know let's listen to Romeo let's look at IS let's look at the, the, the successful hubs in world football and look we can see patterns and you know what what actually works and it and that's the other thing people talk you know people say oh well you know just look at the favelas in Brazil or you know, in South America, I said, well, this, you know, this isn't South America. I don't know if anyone's noticed, you know, they look around the streets. We, we, we uh, you know, we, players come in structured environments everywhere anyway. They all play for clubs anyway. So it's about trying to get playground type outcomes, good quality technical outcomes in those environments and those structured environments and knowing when to, you know, scaffolding players learning, obviously, knowing when to step in, when to not. But I mean, looking at how we can develop players technically to make them better. I think if I'm, if I'm, understanding this right so you might be fighting the same battle that that tom is is that it's you know it's good to do this type of stuff for especially the youngest players uh, in tom's in tom's case but you're you're kind of i think working or or mentioning like seven eight nine ten eleven year olds you've mentioned that a couple times now and is that where you know the confusion comes in like you're not advocating for like you know massive you know individual technical training programs for 20 year olds but you're well, advocating I, for younger yeah, I, I, like, the younger you start the more benefit you get that's that's without doubt you know you talk about the golden window of opportunity but you know that's 100 percent. but i mean the majority of my clients are you know young pros are pros mm-hmm. who uh you know, we, and this is what we're doing. We're doing ball work. We're doing one v one skill work. Looking, we're doing all stuff like this, and you can still get gains there. You know, we can still improve players. And look, you know, for instance, pre-season I was working with players from Arsenal, Tottenham, Barcelona, Fulham, all like the big clubs, like pros. And it's all, all they want to do is like high intensity ball work, so they can get sharp, get ready for the pre-season training. And the and the, the message comes back. It's all the same because they get there and they, you know, they just it's almost into their subconscious. They don't have to think about it anymore. That is, they're 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 really you know they're, they're they become one with the ball again and they're just sharp and they're just getting on and they can play with their heads up. So this is really why we do it. So I mean I I'm still think there's a big even in you know in the top level football there's still a space. It's obviously you know it's about when you do it and where you do it and you know when's it most effective. You don't it you know in terms of team training and environment, but individual stuff with the ball, individual work with the ball is still key at, at old at older age groups and you know supporting players in that in those technical areas and maybe they've got an inadequacy somewhere or, you know, if it's weak side or whatever it is like that, it's, it's still really important. But I mean, here it is generally more accepted with the younger players. I mean, and you will see much more, you know, accelerated gains, but I mean, across the board, it's still really important for me. From, from your vantage point of, you know, having access to professional academies and, and professional players and professional coaches as well, in inside of your country, who who's doing it right? Who's a good example? Well, you have lots of examples. I mean, look, you have you have like a, a club like um, Tottenham, who you know, who in terms of the academy budget is much smaller than one of the other many of the clubs around. But they're now one of the most successful academies in the country. That's what, that's what's interesting about that is when we were there, you know, we were we you know we wouldn't get the first or the second picks. Now Chelsea and Arsenal get all the best with the best cream of the crop, and then we get maybe this the few here, but then the other players. In fact, we had to work with the players, so that was really you know that was we you know we had really fantastic results in terms of you know becoming you know only second to Chelsea, where there's the most most uh, players given to the England youth setup, and you know in terms of pros as well getting up there. 
I mean, and look at someone like Chelsea. I mean, they're you know they're one of the best academies in the world of football now in terms of what their the provision is. I mean, they've got a problem, unfortunately, with you know the the block it comes with the first team. But that's more. I mean, that's that's um, more to do with other other issues. I mean, in terms of you know that's within the within the industry, people know what you know the players at Chelsea are getting is almost second to none in in uh, in world football. So there's there's still some great examples here. You know, in England, and you can tell that by the success we've had in recently. Um, but I mean, there's still obviously work to improve and get better. I want you to I want you to explain to people what your what your app is. And by the way, I I have I, I have explored it. We've we have a we have a subscription to it. So, it started off really as you know when I was an academy coach, we used to. We used to set players' homework, technical homework. So you know, for me, you know, we talk. If we were an academy, you're lucky you got player, you got te- you got players three di- three days a week, three nights a week, maybe two hours a pop. That's still not enough, you know, in terms of you want to develop a world class player. So it's important they can go away and do something. It's more about quality rather than quantity. So go away and do some succinct quality technical work. So some skill combos or whatever it is. So I used to set players like that all the time. So the idea really came from that, and obviously as a individual coach as well so think that players and parents could go and access whether you're a beginner or an aspiring world cup winner you go and download the app and you could improve yourself my personal football coach is going to give you a consistent quality program to make you technically better and also um, improve your your speed and agility with the ball your balance all these all these additional quality outcomes to help you give the give you the body for the modern game uh, it then really progressed into um, to working with a lot of clubs as well so uh, as a way to clubs, so for instance, like I said, Wolves use it as a pro club. We've got clubs all around the world using it, so clubs can get it, and they, all the players in the club get the app, and all the coaches get it, and we all, we have an online technical resource as well called the Coaches Pass, which is like a library of skills and drills and and ball mastery activities. So that's a way that clubs can say, look, lucky if maybe you've only got your team once a week, you can concentrate on those important game related practices, but then you can say, right, going home and practice this 20 minutes a day. We, we, talk, we talk about 20 minutes a day, like I said, quality rather than quantity of high intensity work. And they know what their players are doing. And then obviously we feed back the data. That's really important these days. And they can set the, 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 the players' individual targets. So it's really it's really evolved into that, not only you know serving individuals all around the world, but now so helping supporting clubs and some federations as well into you know, making they sure they've got a quality, consistent technical program that they can do away from the training and, and, and coaches and and staff can monitor what players are doing. Yeah, the the data the data aspect of or the accumulation of data by outside sources or, or like app based um, uh, providers, I guess is the best way to put it. But that data is becoming super valuable to clubs. I interviewed somebody else the other day that that created an app that collects all kinds of data, and and clubs just are so fascinated with it. But it's then doing something or knowing how to uh, knowing how to use that data appropriately, I think is is the next part in this next generation of, of information and, and, and apps and programs that, that clubs are going to be partnering with. How, how do you handle that with, well, with working with originally, clubs? So originally it was just we'd literally just give the clubs a printout of um, all the engagement by the players and what they did when they done it. But now we have we, we've uh, we built a plugin where clubs can now log in themselves and then they can actually check, you know, um, what players have done what, how long they've been on it. We have a thing where players can actually now record their own training time, 
and they can have they have like a daily clock, weekly clock, monthly clock, you know, a lifetime clock. But then obviously coaches can actually log in and see actually how long they've actually been on the app themselves as well. Uh, so it's just a thing. For instance, you know, if you set the, you're setting a team homework, you know, it's just like any 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 uh, like a teacher is almost you see who's done the homework, who hasn't done the homework, who's actually logged in, who hasn't logged in. So it's it's a matter of uh, you know of uh, just checking up basically, and 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 also then what they can do as well is they can set individual tasks. So we you know if we have maybe a player who needs a bit more support, you can set one, you can set a team of tasks, you can set one player or two players individual extra tasks within that as well, individual units or different technical challenges as well. So just, I mean, like I said, data is really important. And I think there is, you know, sometimes it's a bit of a overload of data. But I mean, at the very basic level, it's just for us, it's about making sure that coaches know what their players are doing when they're doing it. And uh, also having a bit more control over what they're doing as well. That's awesome, man. Um, where where can people find you on social media and, and interact with you? You kind of mentioned earlier that you're you're always fighting fighting battles on social media, but where, uh, uh, you'll, you'll, find, you'll find me fighting on uh, my football coach on Twitter, um, also my football coach one on Instagram, and um, my personal football coach is the app. You can you can log download the app from that Apple or, or Android. Or you can go onto the website. We've got a website there as well, which you can check out all the information. Mypersonalfootballcoach.com, and uh, and see see how it, how it's going. Tell me tell me a little bit about the American scene and in terms of what's happening there with your technical game. <laughs> well, right now the the massive um, the massive piece of news, I guess, is still Tom Byers' program and and how that was kind of rejected by the federation, and it has kind of just ignited a lot of people to uh just to to start to look at that youngest youngest age group and that that introduction of of skills based or technical technical skills based training at an earlier age than ever before and i think coaching education right now is going through another another revolution i guess you could call it but it's like every 3 to 4 years something changes from our from our federation and that is being met with a little bit more um, acceptance right now, but also still a little bit of resistance. Uh, I think the acceptance part of it is more um, more along the lines of they're okay with uh, the way the Federation is allowing coaches to kind of just do whatever they want as long as the coaches can justify what they're doing. That is kind of the way that things are right now, uh, where before it was like you do this or you fail. And, and that is now gone. Um, but the resistance part is that now I think coaches feel like they aren't getting enough actual education where it's like, you're, you're just being told like, okay, you know, do, do whatever you want. You just have to be able to justify it. But coaches now are left kind of like wondering like, well, I still don't know what to do. Like I, I I need to be told or learn, you know, certain things or what to do. So that's where we're kind of at. I think right now, I think that's a decent synopsis. I hope people agree with that, but I don't know. I think we had the same problem here. I mentioned earlier I was on the Advanced Youth Award, which is the, like the A license, age appropriate A license for young players aimed at academy coaches, and we very, very much were sort of it's a good course, really interesting. But some, you know, for instance, the technical corner, if they call it, you know, there wasn't any detail, and it was just you know almost let them go out and play, be express themselves, be creative, and just go and play, which is great to a certain extent. But you know, then you, you know you contrast that with someone like Romeo's work, and you know, you know, in, and working in an elite environment is that really enough is that really going to get you world-class uh, quality outcomes so i'm not sure about that 
Yeah, no, and and what you, what you just mentioned too, like, is very similar to here. Like, oh yeah, like let them be creative and let the game be the teacher and 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 all these like words and phrases, and and whenever somebody asks why or what or how, like a like you know trying to dig past like that surface layer, that is usually met from my experience with resistance from the instructor or the or the people giving the information where you know they have been told ah, see this is where it gets into like i guess uh conspiracy theory for me but i i feel like they've been told like hey like you know this is the program that we're going to try to roll out just just give them this piece of information and when people start to dig a little bit deeper that that's where you know the the fight happens i think you kind of mentioned like there's a fight it's like that's that's where the fight where people are asking for more and they're not getting it It, well that's that's my that's my exact point where people have this you know uh fa educators will say that on to me and i'll say well that's like i said let the game be the teacher or let do it and i'll say well that's okay just give me one example of a a structured environment where that's worked you know give me some empirical evidence where that has actually you know for you you've seen that and there isn't they don't that's my thing. I said, well, that's okay. So, you know, it's a bit of a jump into the unknown when then you look at, you know, some of the, well, all the best academies in world football, they're much more of a mix where you look at this complexity of the games, practice program with the, you know, the, uh, with much more ball mastery and technical training and, you know, that sort of thing as a, as a balanced approach. And that's why I can't get my head around it. Why, why don't we have a balanced approach where we're saying, yes, do more games, but then don't forget the really important technical work, the ball mastery work, the 1v1 work, which we've seen is really important and proven to develop world-class players oh and i think that there's there's a uh, there's a place for all of that like of course like every player needs technical development they need technical training and it needs to be part of a program and i i forget who i was talking about this with i think with a sports psychologist recently and he he mentioned like, you know, the amount of time that he spends with a player. And I started to think, well, you know, if the sports psychologist is taking this amount of time from the player and the strength and conditioning coach is taking this amount of time from the player and the, and the, um, fitness coach, or sorry, the, uh, the, the head coach is taking this amount of time from the players. Like, well, all these are very important things, but getting all of these different, different pieces to work together is a very very difficult problem and if and if you have people that are unwilling to work with each other unwilling to recognize the value of the other person's work well then that's a disaster waiting to happen and so when you have a group I, and I, I think it's not a stretch to say that when you were at Tottenham like everybody was on the same page and and understood the value in in everybody's uh in everybody's uh, or understood the value that everybody was bringing to the table well then you're going to have a, a you know a superior product at, at the end of the day and it sounds like there's there's still people, especially here in, in the United States, but it sounds like you're still experiencing the same problems over there where maybe somebody doesn't value the other person's work in in the same way or in the way that they need to. Is, is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, well, listen, it's like, I thought it was a, a game of opinions, isn't it? So the problem is, is that, you know, if you haven't had any experience of these environments and seen actually how it works, then obviously you, you're almost a bit ignorant to it and you can't that maybe they, you can't understand it so i think that's the problem people don't have have an experience of it you know with someone like chris ramsey should be running the whole country technical development program because he's, he's proven he's done it at the highest level i just think what you said earlier as well about you know about the multi-discipline disciplines of every, everyone having time of everything i think that's something we talked about with Merritt chelsea a lot we said actually you know we've got to remember what we are we're a football club here and get players playing and that's been my my um you know, I, I sort of noticed that a lot when I've been on a lot of courses and stuff and watched, you know, with some of the 
the approach with the young players is great. You know, they get here, go in a corner, you have a chat, you talk about this, you go and draw something on the whiteboard and do this. I say, well, you know, they spend so much time off the pitch. It's like they just should be playing. You know, we have such a limited time with players. Just get them on the ball, get them playing, you know, get them enjoying playing. When we have get them on the ball, the contact time of the ball is the most important thing. That's what we talk about, you know, you know, getting balls on the player. So I think we forget about that and they're so, they're so interested in, you know, developing other, other aspects, which is still important. But, you know, the, the main thing's got to be, you know, can players get on the ball and do something, you know, exciting on the ball. So, you know, the, the, the more time they spend away from the ball or the pitch, I think, is, a, is, not, the, is not the greatest for me. How much time do you guys actually spend researching and, and digging into, like, the science and the, and the data? Because I think that's interesting as well. In terms of what? In academies? Uh, maybe, yeah, the, the academies. But, like, do you guys actually, like, do you guys break down the amount of time and touches and, and, and things like that? Like, do you guys actually analyze the, the data and the contact time? Because there's, yeah. I, I think, in the, if, I don't think it's a stretch to say that people say things without having the data to back them up. So like, oh yeah, kids need need more time on the ball. It's like, well, yeah, no shit. Of course kids need time on the ball, but like how much time is yeah. now I think where we're getting to where people can start to ask those types of questions and there's data to to explain this now. Well, it's, it's difficult to say because there's very little data around young players, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, what they're doing at younger ages. So, it, you know, I mean, obviously, for instance, at Chelsea, we, we had Dave Collins, who's one of the, he's a sports scientist, sports psychologist, skill acquisition expert, one of the best in the country. We had him there, so he'd constantly come in and analyse what we were doing, for instance, in our technical sessions. We used to do stuff like, yeah, we'd have like a, 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 a clicker and, and see how many touches of balls they're getting. But then everything had to be done for a reason. For me, as well, it's, you know, it's to qualify something as deliberate practice. It's got really big cognitively challenging. So, you know, it's important to change things up and so players can't switch off. Uh, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not an academic. I've you know, got a master's degree and I'm a you know, qualified teacher. But, you know, I'm really interested in, in the research and stuff in sports science as well. And like I said, I travel around the world looking. And it, it's, it's difficult because there is such a, a, you know, an abyss of quality research at younger age groups. But all you can do for me is that you look at, you know, hotbeds of talent. Uh, for instance, you know, we talked earlier, Ajax and, and Dynamo and Sporting Lisbon and all the clubs that are always at the top of the, the rankings, the, uh, CIE, this, the CIES observatory rankings in, in Europe, who, who they measure the productivity of academies and say, right, these, these people are consistently producing players. And it's, what's interesting as well is they, maybe they come from a, a place where per capita there's not a lot of people there. You know, they, then they've got a massive turnaround. So then almost looking at the players and winding back and asking those, oh, what are you doing with the young players? What are you doing with your seven, eight and nine-year-olds you know, when they first come in? And that's what's really interesting. And then what, looking for patterns within these clubs and saying, well, they do that, they do that, they do that. And there's almost you know, like patterns emerging within these, hot, these uh, hotbeds of talent development. And thinking, well, actually, that's, you know, for me, that's really important empirical, empirical research. It's really important evidence that, you know, they're, what they're doing is, is having some benefits. So that's what I'm really interested in. And that's why, you know, I, I bang a drum about ball mastery and 1v1 working because all these, there's a real pattern amongst all these hotbeds of talent. And those are the real key strains of their methodologies. Well, for, for everybody that's listening, I highly encourage you guys to, to check out the the product the app 
and follow this guy on social media because it's it's funny. Um, actually, I just uh, before before I I called you, uh, I was cruising through your your Twitter timeline and stumbled across a link from somebody else that led me to somebody else that ultimately led me to um, a documentary about about Bielsa and his first couple of days at Leeds. And so I'm like halfway through that, I had to pause it because I was like, oh shit, like I need to call this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but just a, a wealth of a, a wealth of knowledge, just through the people that you're connected with, and, and the things that you're always retweeting, and the conversations that you're getting yourself into, are I think worth worth people paying attention to. I think the the work that you're doing is is good work, and and I have no problem highlighting people that 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 are doing good work. So I wanted to make sure that I that I told you that as well. Well, I really appreciate that, and also like this this uh, the it works both ways. I really enjoy your podcast. I really enjoy your your uh, passion for the game and what you're trying to do over there in America, similar to what we're trying to do here in this country, and fight the fight and try and improve it and and make make it you know better place for our players to 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 uh, develop. So yeah, well done to you as well. Keep up the good work. Absolutely, man. I thank you so much, and and we'll for sure be in contact. As, if not, uh, now I have your number. Now I can bug you whenever I want, but I'll, I'll try to I'll try to limit it. I promise. <laughs> well, yeah. Let's, let's, uh, if you're at the convention this year, let's try and get together. And, absolutely and definitely yeah absolutely nice one. okay john much appreciated all right brother have a good one yeah you too all right later Right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast. And a big thank you to my guest, Saul Isaacson Hurst. If you are looking for ways to connect with him, you can visit 343coaching.com. And in the write-up portion of this podcast, I have links to his services, so his website and his app, and also to his social media stuff. So if you want to link up with him on Twitter, which I highly recommend, you can find links to that in the write-up of this podcast. While you are on 343coaching.com, you can also find out information on how you can help support and fund this podcast. And I'm talking specifically about our coaching education programs. We offer a free program if you are just finding us for the first time and you want to know what we are all about, dip your toes in the water. And then when you're ready to dive in head first, we offer a premium program, which is a much deeper dive into the 343 coaching methodology to talk a little bit about his experience with one of our online courses. Here is a name you might be familiar with, uh, Tom Beyer, with a testimonial about his experience. And I can tell you, after someone who's done a lot of coaches' education, both as a student and as an instructor, that you will learn more by watching one or two of their videos that you might learn on any full-time course. Because the, the one thing that I liked about what they're presenting is, again, it's simplicity, man. It's very simple. It's not a lot of, you know, complicated words. It makes sense. And it goes right directly to the heart of, of, of the game on, on, on how, to, how to develop, um, not just, you know, individual players, but develop teams as well. Once again, you can find that information on 343coaching.com. That's the numbers 343, the word coaching, all spelled out, dot com. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast, and we will catch you guys next time.